building better relationships at home and at work for people who have more than enough on their plate. Two coaches dangling the possibility of finding joy in your relationships. Do you dare to consider life can be better? Have a listen and tell us why. In today's episode, Angela and Patty will be discussing daily habits to prevent depression during stressful times and strengthen your relationships. What exactly is depression? That's a very good question. It's up to interpretation sometimes. And I recently found out that In these times, they haven't yet found effective new drugs to treat anxiety and depression. We're still using drugs from, uh, I think, the 60s and 70s. And those old drugs don't always achieve outcomes that people are looking for to relieve them from depression. So drugs have proven somewhat effective, but they don't resolve Uh, chronic depression for many, many people. And also, I think there's some confusion between experiencing episodes of depression and that is different to serious ongoing depression. So some people might be experiencing bouts of depression, but not an actual uh, clinical depression. And some people that I know who have depression they rarely go around telling everybody they have it so it often can be hard to diagnose and it's easy to let people slip through the cracks if they have depression and they get used to living in that state and they don't share with others or go to seek help so patty you can help us with understanding the clinical or the definition of depression yeah i'm gonna share the definition of depression from the American Psychiatric Association's website, and we'll have that in the show notes. Depression is a common and serious medical illness that negatively affects how you feel, the way you think, and how you act. Fortunately, it is also treatable. Depression causes feelings of sadness and or a loss of interest in activities you once enjoyed. It can lead to a variety of emotional and physical problems and can decrease your ability to function at work and at home. Depression symptoms can vary from mild to severe and can include the following feeling sad or having a depressed mood, loss of interest or pleasure in activities once enjoyed, changes in appetite, it could be weight loss or gain unrelated to dieting, trouble sleeping or sleeping too much, loss of energy or increased fatigue, lack of purpose or physical activity such as inability to sit still, pacing, hand-wringing, or slow movements or speech. These actions must be severe enough for others to notice. Feeling worthless or guilty. 
difficult thinking, concentrating, or making decisions. Thoughts of death, suicide. Symptoms must be at least two weeks and must represent a change in your previous level of functioning for a diagnosis of depression. Also, medical conditions such as a thyroid problems, a brain tumor, or vitamin deficiencies can mimic symptoms of depression. So it is important to rule out general medical causes. For more information about depression, we will provide the website link to the American Psychiatric Association in the show notes. So how do you prevent it? There's several things in our lifestyle that contribute to depression. (laughs) And one of them is the foods we eat, processed foods and sugar. So processed foods and sugar are connected to hormonal swings that take you on emotional ups and downs. And they affect long-term hormone levels in the body. So if you grew up eating processed foods as a child, that will have impact on your moods and hormones as an adult. So one solution I have is to become friends with someone who cooks really good (laughs) home-cooked food (laughs) and loves to cook for you. I have a friend, Brigitte, who did this for me and She also has a product that I wanted to share because it's been really effective for helping people with thyroid conditions, people who have sugar addiction, and people who have also depression. If you have an addiction that is keeping you addicted to the highs and lows, then you can try getting off the addiction with traditional methods, But it's going to be much easier to get off any addiction if you have support. So the best product I found to get off sugar was um, power foods. And I was doing this by myself for a while. I was using separate power foods like ashwagandha. Um, Green tea is very useful. And then I met Brigitte, my friend, and she created a product, Mega Way the Mega Way Shakes. We're going to have the link in the show notes. So I found Brigitte in the USA, New York, and she has about 13 power foods, maca, ashwagandha, cinnamon, lucuma, barley greens, and the list goes on. So Brigitte from the Mega Way formulated her shake to directly affect the mood and hormonal system and the 10 or 11, I think, body systems of the body. When I started her shake, I went off sugar naturally. I just didn't care about sugar and that lasted for years. And then I started to reintroduce sugar into my diet when I wanted it, not in an addictive way. So you can find out about her shake at themegaway.com. And she, I think she might even have free samples for you to try. Now in Australia, it's too hard to get that product. But I have found after having Brigitte's shakes for so long, my body no longer goes through craving cycles. And I think in order to get off addiction, and especially sugar, you do need help to break that cycle. And you need to balance the minerals and the hormone system of the body that's gone off balance from having processed food and sugar. 
So now I can have a bit of sugar and I don't go overboard, I don't binge. And it was really important to learn what balance was. So depression will stop you from knowing what balance is because you tend to go into extremes. So another prevention strategy I found is to learn to be okay with feeling down and to learn how to reach out to somebody if you feel down. And that if you are down, you um, tend to have the habit of not reaching out. So that's been one of the worst habits I've seen in people who deal with mild depression that then ends up in serious clinical depression that they can't seem to break that cycle because they've just learned to not reach out, not ask for help. And then they go into very depressed states. So now you can reach out anonymously to online forums with people who have similar experiences to you. And I've joined Quora and I found there's some really interesting conversations on Quora about specific uh, life-threatening situations, bad relationship situations, people who have had difficult and specific abuse situations. So all of those difficult situations are there. People have discussions, they offer suggestions, they tell them, share their own stories. And it's a really great way to see that you're not the only person that has problems and also find some different ways of looking at the situation and also find an empathy with others who are also struggling. So things like being bullied online or being in a constrictive family. And its core has been really good to see how people um, have overcome depression or overcome really hard situations in life that normally would lead us to be depressed. So reaching out is the hardest thing to do when you're depressed. So make a habit of doing it anonymously to people in your community that share something in common with you. If you're on the uh, autism spectrum, a lot of people on that spectrum really need to connect with other people on the spectrum. People who are not on that spectrum maybe not will not understand you quite as well. But having communities that you can talk to or reach out to and share who have the same problem as you will really help. Introverts and people with social anxiety may have trouble reaching out. But I found on YouTube and online social media, there's plenty of ways to connect with people without doing it physically. And there really is no excuse to not reach out through these social media platforms now. I've even found a guy doing videos on social anxiety and he's got thousands of people commenting, people sharing. So it's a really good way to start. And a big tip to manage depression or bouts of depression is to have routines that force you to stop being isolated and falling into habits such as lying in bed all day. So this is the most important tip is the routines. I have a friend who has a dog and that dog forces them to get up and take them for a walk every morning. And Patty, you know how cats are great at knocking things off the shelf in the morning in order to get you up? <laughs> sure do. 
or have a paw on your face or continuing meowing until you get up to feed them or pay attention to them. Also, cuddling and petting them is soothing and can lift your spirits. Yeah, having a pet has been such a great gift for so many people. A pet brings unconditional love and they depend on you. They are at the door waiting for you and happy to see you. They really are a blessing. Yeah, so if you're lucky enough to have an annoying blessing, (laughs) that's a great way to wake up, go to sleep, cuddle when you're feeling sad. And the key is also when you wake up, what else, what other routines can you implement after waking up? What if you don't have a pet? Are there any rituals, any rituals at all that you can do that help you get out of bed? Get out of bed followed by some such rituals such as coffee, showering is a big one, (laughs) going for a walk, looking out the window, writing in a journal, even watching an inspirational story. I like to watch things as crazy like the the Adams Family. (laughs) I was watching some of that uh, a day ago and When I watched The Addams Family, I just remembered some really great things from childhood. Angela, I love the example of watching The Addams Family because laughter during stressful times is a great way to prevent depression and anxiety, whether at work or at home. Smiling can change someone's day from gloomy to joyful. Showing some compassion when a coworker is at their breaking point or providing a little laughter can help everyone get through these unusual circumstances. It's a good way to strengthen the relationships around you. Yeah, I was watching the Addams Family and I watched Lurch. And <laughs> yeah. Lurch is like, he's like chronically depressed. He's brilliant. <laughs> and his facial expressions are just incredible. And I just thought, wow, back in those periods, even the 70s, which was after the Addams Family aired, we used to be, we were just more comical in our everyday life. I think we used to goof off a little bit, but the Addams Family was pretty goofy. What other things, Patty, about um, the routines that I found really helpful were setting time limits on things? So you may not respond well to alarms, but uh, simple rituals that have time limits can really help you um, to move beyond bouts of sadness. So a simple ritual such as going out to buy a coffee and breakfast is a really great way to have a set routine for your morning. And that's not run by alarms. And that also can make your morning meaningful because you're having some human interaction and contact. Now, in lockdown, that may not be possible. So you'll have to think of some other meaningful way to connect. I totally agree. When you go somewhere regularly, the employees and the customers get to know you as well. It gives you comfort and belonging. Remember the TV show Cheers? And the song where everybody knows your name. Yeah, I remember that show. It used to give me a feeling. In lockdown, a friend of mine would wake up and play mantras 
which is a spiritual set of words, a chant. And there's plenty of spiritual mantras on YouTube if you want to find anything for free. And she would play the mantra to set the mood in her space. And I've got one that I'll share in the show notes that's pretty effective at clearing the space. Spiritual mantras are really good for clearing the air in your home environment when things get stagnated by your thoughts and feelings. And even repetition of the mantra has been shown in research to actually change the neurochemistry in your brain. Another way to reduce depression is being in nature. When sitting under trees, you may feel healing energy. Forest therapy is used in Japan to treat depression and anxiety. Patty, you shared that forest bathing technique in another episode of ours, number 41, how spending time in nature can help you and your relationships. Yes, being in nature with the scent of the trees is a natural immune booster. Take a walk in nature with your partner and your family. Breathe in the air, sit down under a tree, and take your shoes off. And then stand up with your feet touching the earth. This is called grounding. Sit and listen to the breeze moving through the leaves and the birds singing. This calms your body and your mind, taking time away from everything and living in the moment. Have you ever experienced depression during stressful times? I think this question is a given. Pretty much all of us have experienced some sort of anxiety, overwhelm, or depression during difficult, stressful times. How do we get through it and pick ourselves up? I want to share a resource that delves deeper than just depression into trauma. And that book is called The Body Keeps the Score. It's written by Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. And he shows how our bodies remember things years after they happen. And that by exploring innovative treatments such as neurofeedback. Neurofeedback is when you talk to your body or you, you can actually set connect your body to a machine to do it, which is biofeedback. But neurofeedback is talking to your brain and your body about what you're feeling. He also uses techniques or treatments like meditation, sports, drama, and yoga. I use drama, movement and dance to get myself out of teenage depression that went on for many years from the age of 13 till about 25. And without my theatre groups, I wouldn't be the person I am today. They literally took me out of depression because of the exploration of ourselves through play and drama and because of their kindness. In the book, The Body Keeps the Score, Dr. Van der Kolk talks about trampoline bouncing being very effective for kids in extreme trauma. And I still use the trampoline <laughs> to bounce and to get me into a completely different mood and physical state. 
Angela, recently I was outside with my grandkids on my daughter's trampoline. I was jumping and walking around with them inside the trampoline. We were laughing and having so much fun. Of course, I wasn't bouncing very high, <laughs> but I was bouncing. <laughs> it looks like it was infectious. Like did, when you were watching them bounce, did you feel like bouncing? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And they're, and they're so sweet to each other. If one fell down, uh, the other one would pick them up and help them up. It's so funny because as you're trying to do that, the other person falls down too, and then everybody's just rolling around. (laughs) I think it just it shakes up uh, your 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 nervous system response. Which, when you're in depression, you tend to go over and over and over the same thing. So it's shaking up your habitual responses. And when Dr. Bessel van der Kolk released his book. In 2014, thousands of people who read the book, therapists and people who experienced trauma, thousands of people finally could say, oh, my God, this guy understands how I feel. He explains uh, how an alcoholic can be carrying stress from their childhood. And the book shares with case study after case study how all of our modern woes are connected to our past and that we're too afraid to face that past because what happened in the past is stored deep inside our body and it's actually too hard to put into language. Dr. Bessel actually works with kids as well and he gets them to draw pictures and that's a strategy my friend Dr. Patrick Wannis uses with children as well. Sometimes language is not easy for kids so sometimes you can work with drawing to get kids to bring expression to their feelings. So now Dr. Bessel van der Kolk has a community of people. He's created a community who can now share their trauma, which has been so hard to bring language to. And he's helped thousands of people find relief through just acknowledging that they're not alone. They don't have to feel different to everybody else. And they can start a journey, perhaps a long journey to healing depression is often the inability to face that childhood trauma so we end up in patterns of unspoken sadness have you ever been so hurt by somebody that you could literally feel it in your heart i have and it wasn't a pleasant experience does that give you more compassion for people patty because you know how it feels to take things so personally that it actually makes you depressed or anxious? I think it does, Angela. Kind-hearted people that have experienced heartbreak, overwhelm, and tend to feel too much do at times take things too personally. And this is a hard road to go down. Usually a kind-hearted person, when they see someone else hurting, they want to reach out because they have been there and know what it's like to feel bad. Yes, it does give you more compassion and empathy towards others because you have been there and done that. I remember when my mother passed, there was a great heaviness in the house. I remember my father, who was really angry, and he expressed that anger for all of us. 
my brother and sister and I, however, we reacted much more quietly. We had this quiet, deep grief. And from that time, I watched my siblings deal with depression over different periods. Since I had had a lot of depression as a teenager, I didn't experience my mum's passing as bad as they did. But I could see my siblings go through a terrible time dealing with their personal journey and grief. And so now when I see others dealing with loss, heartbreak, loss of their loved ones, I get a real twang of, yeah, I know how you feel. There are ways to ease the emotions. As a leadership and work-life balance coach, I'm always open to new ways to banish stress, overwhelm, and anxiety, and I share different techniques with others. I wrote a blog post on worry stones and how the method of rubbing away stress and anxiety. The practice of rubbing worry stones has been around for centuries. I remember when I was a kid, instead of worry stones, there were pet rocks and colored stones. I have always enjoyed looking at rocks, stopping and picking the stones up and admiring them, their beautiful shapes, sizes, and colors. How does rubbing on a worry stone help reduce anxiety and stress? A worry stone works as a form of reflexology or nerve pressure when rubbed. While rubbing the stone, it touches the reflex area in your thumb and fingers, creating a sensation of relaxation and calm within the body. And does it work? (laughs) For me, it is a pleasant distraction because I'm focusing on rubbing the stone and it does help me gain a new perspective. For others, it depends on the individual and being open to the process. When taking those few moments of rubbing the stone, it can settle the mind. Find a smooth stone and start carrying the stone around with you, especially when feelings of anxiety, anger, or frustration are occurring. By rubbing the thumb and the finger across the stone, it will hit reflex areas and the movement relaxes your mind, body, and spirit. Reiki is another way to reduce or help prevent anxiety, depression, and relax. Reiki balances and works on the mental, emotional, physical, and and spiritual levels. It may assist with pain management, preventive care, and mental and emotional circumstances, such as anxiety, addiction, stress, reduction, relaxation, and much more. It focuses on sending energy into the body for optimum health. We have previously talked about Reiki in episode 36. How can Reiki heal you and your relationships? And Patty, you are a Reiki practitioner and you offer uh, Reiki sessions as well, distant and in person. That's great. You just made me remember... um, that one of the strategies I use is reflexology on myself in my fingers. And I just realized that perhaps one of the habits of wringing hands when you're depressed 
could be an innate response from the nervous system to try and relieve the anxiety, the hand Mm. wringing, because often we play with our fingers, our hands when we're anxious, but it could actually be a self-soothing behaviour that if it was done with more like a worry stone or with more reflexology insight could actually work on the nervous system to relieve that stress. Wow. I wanted to share a very inspiring musical that taught me about the power of human kindness to help people deal with trauma that leads to depression and guilt about um, perhaps maybe you feel guilt in your life for something that you did or didn't do. And the inspirational story was from a musical Come From Away, which I just saw in Sydney. It has been in Broadway and in in Toronto as well. And I think it's screened in Los Angeles, but I'm not sure. And it's also showing in London. The musical Come From Away is about the people who were flying on September 11, 2001, that got redirected to an island in Canada called Newfoundland. And the people from the relocated flights were devastated, in shock. Some didn't know what was going on because they didn't have cell phones. Others didn't know when they did find out about the attack on the Twin Towers. They didn't know if they'd lost someone or from another airplane, whether that airplane could also be a terrorist attack. Everybody felt they lost a part of themselves as they dealt with the shock and reality that their lives after this day will never be the same. There's also a documentary from 2019 about this called You Are Here. I just love this show and think everyone would benefit from seeing it right now as it shows the kindness of people who took in 7,000 strangers and gave them heart and more, much more than these 7,000 lost people could ever imagine. On Newfoundland, it was a community of 9,000 people who took in these 7,000 strangers. And what stood out for me was that even in the face of so much kindness from the Newfoundlanders, these 7,000 lost people were terribly distraught. And many years after 9-11, many people still carry emotions of shock, sadness, grief, and some carry depression. Many of the first responders in September 11 carry depression from the trauma of the event and what they experienced, some resulting in their death years later from the inhalation of the fumes, but some died from the sadness, some of the sadness that people couldn't understand what they went through and from the lack of financial compensation for their illnesses that they got from inhaling the smoke and other fumes. And others also had survivor's guilt. People during the current pandemic may be facing depression from realising that from the first time, for the first time, they might be realising that the world that we're living in now is going through a crisis in humanity. We just don't seem to know what to do with this crisis. 
And the worrying thing is that humanity looks like, on the media anyway, humanity looks like it's not doing well. We don't feel like all this technology is helping. And that can bring an existential crisis. You could be having thoughts of, well, what's the point of it all? Depression sets in from allowing yourself to feel the weight of this situation. The future is full of possibility, but the possibility feels somewhat on a teeter-totter, like it could go bad, and it could. And unless we start to find ways to work collectively as humanity, as people, as a group of nations, we couldn't go in a bad direction. The World Olympics happening this year will be another test if we will end up just criticising or if we support each other. One thing I realised watching the musical come from away was that this current crisis is not the first crisis we have faced. The musical is a retelling of how people in real life on this island came together as a community with so much kindness and effort to work together in a time where there was great sadness. And those Newfoundlanders, they changed people's lives forever. People who were stranded on the island still to this day are permanently changed because of the enormity of kindness they experienced. The stories are incredible of how the islanders went above and beyond. People opened their homes. They stayed up all night cooking. They gave their clothes. They set up phone lines to call home. And it goes on and on. So now we face a global crisis 20 years later. Looking back at September 11, 2001, I can see how that was like a testing situation where people from all over the world were challenged to come together and not be racist or hateful or lacking in hope. And now in the pandemic, we're facing another test. Are we prepared to work with each other? Or do we need the world to be something it was, something we think it should be? Are we still talking about how the world should be? <laughs> Are we facing what we need to move forward to help each other? Are we looking at how to travel globally in a way that helps people, that supports people, that protects people, that empowers people? Or are we just thinking about what I want to do? 20 years ago after 9-11, people didn't have international cell phones to call people. There was no Zoom, no Skype. Today, we don't even appreciate how much connection through technology we have. In Come From Away, the musical, the characters all express how they feel they have lost who they were before the event of September 11. And the world was different after September 11. The person they were before that day was gone. Sometimes with depression, it's hard to let go of an idea that life should be different. And it can be hard to accept the life that you have now as it is. And then the tendency becomes to spiral into thinking only about yourself, thinking others are against you, thinking others don't care about you, thinking you're insignificant and the world is not a kind and not a wonderful place. 
However, how wonderful humans are is exactly what the people of Newfoundland showed everybody, how amazing humans are and can be when we come together. And it's these stories of hope, kindness, compassion, community, understanding that humans are only as wonderful as we are wonderful to others, that really makes sense to me. And it's a world crisis like the post-pandemic world we live in that reinforces new ideals, new purpose and new ways of being that if you and others can embrace can really give us new ways of understanding trauma and becoming a healing-focused and compassionate world. What's the purpose of a world economy anyway? Is it just to make money? Next podcast Patty and I are going to look at money anxiety and I want to share some thoughts about the new economy based on sharing and caring about yourself and others which can help to relieve anxiety by looking at money from a collaborative and self-value affirming perspective. I'm starting to hear this in the community so I wanted to do a podcast with Patty about the ideas I'm hearing about this new economy So I'd like to end with an image and a memory from my own depression. In my emo days, I was emo before that word existed. I was a goth. (laughs) (laughs) When I was 18, I became a goth. But my very worst days were from the age of 15 to about 19. I would write in my journal about how I was at the bottom of a very deep, dark vortex, a pit, And far above, there was a small window of light. I could see the window, but I couldn't reach it from the bottom of the pit. And I felt I could never get out of the pit. However, I knew the window represented light. Light that was out there and it was shining into the pit. And it was something I desperately and deeply wanted. I wanted to bask in that light. I wanted the pit to go, to end, and never to return. And so I had an idea to focus on the light. And this simple thought became a constant thought when I was in the pit, the feeling of that pit. Focus on that window of light. And then I started making goals, declarations, of what I wanted. And when the feeling of the pit returned, I just focused on what I wanted. Eventually, things started to happen in my life, those things that I wanted, that I declared. And I started to see that what was a pit that kept returning was just a feeling and an image that haunted me. But it didn't stop things happening in my life. In fact, sometimes the pit was a bigger motivator to make me run to anything that was different to being stuck in the pit. And I realized that the depression could still be with me and I could be in the world. Nothing was actually stopping me being in the world. That was the eureka moment. I could still be in the world and the pit of depression no longer was my only abode. It wasn't me, it was simply an image, a feeling that lurked around. And then when I was in the world and doing, creating, being and enjoying the world, 
things happened and I was having fun. I know from having worked with people with trauma that it's hard to make the brain shift its focus. Not everyone's depression is just an image or a fleeting feeling. Sometimes it's extremely complex. Sometimes it's deep in the body. Sometimes it's so hard to give words to that it feels far away from being understood. But I do know that the more I interacted in the world, the more I accepted that depression is just a part of being human and not that alien to anyone else. We all know the feeling. Just some of us don't hold it for so long or we don't feel it needs to be hidden in a dark space. Some of us know better how to share that sadness and some of us don't. And the space where we dance between those of us who can and can't share sadness it was, is what makes us as a community. Some of us hold the light while the others in the community are in the dark and then we switch roles. So I'd like to share for those of you interested in meditation as a way to touch your own light, which is drawn from some of my experiences of being in my pit and working with the light. I'm going to share an eight-week course starting July 8th in the US and July 9th in Australia. And it's called Meditation for Relaxation and Transformation, where we explore how to transform old ways of being with yourself and also learn how to relax, enjoy and dive deeper into your true energy, which is that energy of joy and light. So we'll have that link for you to check out the course in the show notes and explore how your body and brain are waiting for you to experience a new way of being. Well, thank you so much, Angela, for sharing that. That was very beautiful and it really touched my heart. We would love to hear your thoughts about this episode topic. If you enjoyed the podcast, how about becoming a monthly supporter of this podcast? Click on the support button in the Anchor app. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to Building Better Relationships with Angela and Patty. Send us a message and please like or share the podcast or donate with the Anchor Donate button. We really value your feedback.